Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of A4LI's Scientific Spotlight Series. I'm your host, Brenda Eep. I recently joined A4LI's team as VP of Operations and Partnerships. I also just completed my PhD in the biology of aging at the University of Southern California and Buck Institute for Research on Aging. So in this scientific spotlight series, I invite GRL scientists who are actively trying to understand the biology of aging and designing potential GRL science therapeutics that can help increase our health span. So this week, we are joined by Dr. Gabe Guerrero at BioAge Labs to discuss his work and learn about how he first got interested in the field of aging research. Without further ado, here's Dr. Gabe Guerrero. Welcome to the Alliance for Longevity Initiative's very first scientific spotlight. So in this episode, we all have the pleasure of getting to know Dr. Gabe Guerrero. So thank you, Gabe, for joining us today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. So let's just get started. So what sparked your interest in science? So actually, my dad is a professor of radiation oncology. Actually, he just transitioned away from academia and is now fully in private practice, but he has an MD-PhD and has ran an academic lab pretty much my whole life. So the push to like biomedical science and biomedical research really came from my parents, but they were pushing for medicine and I just am not interested in medicine and I'm more interested in, in research and discovery. So that was like, you know, while they were interested in medicine, it was easy for me to sell them on the idea of, of me pursuing a career as I was going into college in like, you know, biology and biomedical research. Cool. So yeah, tell us about your education background. So where did you go to school and what did you major in and stuff? And how did that kind of pave the way? Sure. Yeah. So I am originally from San Diego, California, and I went to college at San Diego State University where I double majored in economics and biology. And then after undergrad, I worked for a bit at the Sanford Burnham Previs uh, Medical Research Institute. And that's where I became interested in this cellular phenomenon called proteostasis and, and the ER stress response, which is proteostasis is a hallmark of aging. So that kind of led my to my interest in longevity. And then I went to the Max Planck Institute for Biology of Aging and got my PhD from the University of Cologne in Germany. And then after that, and where, where I worked on C. elegans, and then after that, I went to Stanford University and did a postdoc with uh, Dr. Tom Rando at, at Stanford uh, before he moved to UCLA. Yeah. So what, um, did you mention what model organism did you work on with um, being a research assistant in San Diego? So in San Diego, I worked on really just in vitro cell-based assays okay. uh, before grad school. And I also worked on mouse models of inflammatory bowel disease and um, cell-based assays. The cell-based assays were developing like assays for cell death um, reporter screens, basically. Okay. And um, I'm sure, I don't know how the academic system works in Germany, but were you able to do rotations and how did you stumble upon a C. elegans lab? Yeah, sure. So actually in Europe, most of the PhD programs are not rotation-based. So you really just identify a lab whose research you're interested in and you apply directly to that lab. And then that lab admits you, or that lab PI professor um, admits you into their lab. And then you apply to the university um, to be a grad student there. Um, it's a little bit different. Um, you don't have to take the GRE. You don't have to um, apply on like, you know, by a certain deadline, it's rolling admissions and all, all that stuff. So it's it's quite unique compared to the U.S. Um, so I found a lab, um, a guy by the name of Martin Denzel at the Max Planck Institute was opening his lab and he was working on proteostasis in, in C. elegans. 
And uh, because I was interested in proteostasis and also becoming interested in longevity and aging, I thought it was just a good opportunity to go and get into the you know aging research field. Oh, cool. So were you one of the first PhD students in his lab then, since you mentioned here? Yeah, so I was the first student he hired, actually. Oh, cool. We're so similar. I was also the first PhD student in John's lab. So, I mean, it's really nice, though. I think it's kind of like starting your own startup because you have to kind of figure out everything on your own when you kind of gain better independence, I think, as a trainee. So, I, I mean, I really appreciate it. In my, so, yeah, no regrets there. Yeah, it was great. I mean, you get to decide, kind of uh, shape the culture of the lab and kind of like you would at a, at a startup, like you said, when you're a first hire, you you know, yeah. it, it's really a, a, a fun time. You're like leaving your legacy and everyone just talks about you and you're mentioned in <laughs> conversation, you know, like, oh, you know, Gabe did this or, you know, like it was Gabe's idea to do this or something like that. So yeah, definitely have the freedom, right? The academic freedom and just answer any question you want, basically. So every, definitely some advantages being the first grad student so then after your PhD you found yourself back in California and so you're a postdoc with Tom Rando which is a pretty great guy to work with he's very knowledgeable in the field right and then yeah so then how was your experience there so I guess how did you find that opportunity to interview and join the Rando lab in Stanford yeah so Tom is a giant in the aging field because of the discoveries that he's made in heterochronic parabiosis and muscle stem cell aging and quiescence. So part of being a giant in, in a field is that you're like on all kinds of advisory boards and, you know, people know you. And so you get invited to a lot of things. So I had the opportunity to meet Tom as a graduate student on um, a few occasions because he was on the SAB, the Scientific Advisory Board of the Max Planck Institute, where I was a student. And um, that's when I first interfaced with him. And then I basically met him at various aging and longevity scientific conferences. I think I interacted with him at the Cold Spring Harbor Aging and another um, aging meeting as well. And so then when it came time for me to look look for postdoc labs, um, his lab was at the top of my list. And I just emailed him and said, hey, we chatted, you know, at my poster and, you know, my papers, I'm finishing up my paper. I'm looking for a postdoc. Like, are you looking for postdocs? Um and he was very receptive, so he replied right away and really like like sent a really nice reply. You know, thank you for your interest. So the standard standard nice reply that a nice PI sends out. And I had expressed to him my interest in being able to apply for my own funding for for my postdoc, and you know he really latched onto that. And together, when I was finishing my PhD, together with him, I, I submitted a NIH supplement, which I was awarded, so that funded my position in his lab. And so there was a little bit of a delay because of the pandemic and starting in his lab, but I was able to basically finish, finish in Germany, move, and then immediately start uh, at Stanford. So there wasn't really much of a break in between, but, you know, the money was there from the NIH and the project was ready to get going. So uh, it was really an exciting time, yeah. despite the, the, you know, the uncertainty from the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The height of the pandemic, right? Yeah, which really shaped the culture too. Us being so used to working at the bench and then working from home sometimes too, definitely a, a different culture. But yeah, so after that, tell us about how you found yourself at BioAge. So you your work was pretty similar to what you're working at, uh, working on now, right? At BioAge. Yeah, totally. So Tom, as I mentioned, is an expert in you know aging research, and his lab focuses a lot on muscle aging. And so in in my time in his lab, I became familiar with the muscle aging field and the stem cell regulation of stem cell quiescence, muscle stem cell quiescence. And um, BioAge at the time, and still is now, developing a drug, BGE-105, for, for muscle aging. 
And so I came across that when I was, you know, starting to look at positions that I might be interested in outside of academia. And at the time, I wasn't really sure if I had wanted to make the switch to, to, to industry. But then Tom announced that he was moving to Los Angeles to take up the position at UCLA. And I thought, okay, this might be a good opportunity for me to put out some feeler applications and, and see what else is out there. And so I had applied to BioAge and a few other longevity companies in the Bay Area. And I had some really positive feedback, which was really awesome um, because I was a bit scared that I would get no replies. I had no idea what to expect, to be honest. And BioAge invited me out for an in-person interview. And I interviewed with a lot of the folks on site and it was really fantastic. The team was great. It was clear they knew what they were doing and the platform that the the data science team here at BioEdge developed was is, was also really exciting to hear about. So I thought I could really be an asset to the team here by by leveraging the, the experience and the, the training that I got in Tom's lab. I thought it would be a really good fit for me. And so I was really lucky when they offered me a position. Yeah, that's really great. I mean, BioEdge is one of the leading frontiers in the in the space too and how Kristen and Eric are you know leading that that way for bioage and you, as a platform first right and then now developing your own drugs even the BG100 right your the own NLRP3 inhibitor which is fantastic so really exciting news for bioage all around too so i guess i mean i'm sure you have friends who are not in the scientific space right how do you describe your work to them Give me an example of, you know, how do you- Yeah, totally. Yeah. So a lot of my family is, are not scientists. So they often get asked, what am I doing? And so I have to really explain it, you know, in a relatively simple way. Mm-hmm. And so in grad school, it was difficult to ex- explain to them how C. elegans were a good model for human aging. Mm-hmm. And that always threw people off. And so I had to like explain to them what DNA was first and the conservation of DNA to work to higher organisms. Now that I'm working in muscle, and at a company that's developing therapeutics, it's a lot easier to sell, you know, what I'm doing to, to somebody who isn't a scientist. So I really, um, when I'm describing to people what we do at BioAge and what I did during my postdoc, I um, describe to them how, you know, aging is a process that, you know, people undergo from a certain point in their life and just that then they deteriorate physiologically. And part of that deterioration is the loss of muscle mass. And so I described to them, you know, how that happens. And then I also then explain how we're trying to target that on a molecular level and slow that from happening or prevent that from happening so that people become less frail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely one way. Yeah, to s- describe it too. With my research too, I know that I always start off with, oh, you know, are you familiar with the ketogenic diet? And obviously everyone has, right? Because it used to be a fat diet. And just, yeah, trying to just kind of explain it more broadly and then kind of going to the nitty gritty of things, but definitely helpful that we can relate to, you know, just our life experiences and like the interventions available. So other than that, though, what are, what other than the drugs in the pipeline at BioAge, what are you most, also most excited about in the aging field? So I'm really excited about two things in the aging field. One stems back to my interest in proteostasis. So I think there's a lot of people right now investing a lot of energy on looking at the ER stress response and ER protein homeostasis and the regulation of translation, protein translation, so how proteins are made and the therapeutic potential there in aging. I think that's really awesome. And that's just because I was interested in that as a grad student and before grad school. And it's always been like a pet interest of mine. So I think that's really exciting. It's not something we're working on at BioAge. But the other thing that I'm excited about, which is something that we do work on at BioAge, is the implementation of using AI models to find new drug targets in biomarker discovery using AI and machine learning. So I'm not a bioinformatician. So usually when people present these things, I can really just 
you know, speculate on how much hard work it was to get to that point. But I'm always, you know, amazed at, at what the data science team here at BioAge does and what other data science teams do uh, and their ability to, you know, find new biomarkers for, or, you know, targets for uh, disease biology and, and diseases of aging. Yeah, the, the, the AI implications of it is really helpful. I think it can save a lot of time too. There's so much data out there too that kind of just needs to be compressed and understood at a more, I guess, granular level too. And yeah, I think that's kind of the future for us. So props to Silico Medicine too for their work and other AI companies or even companies utilizing AI and seeing the potential of AI. So definitely a, a good place to be too for everyone. And then I guess, lastly, I guess, since you come from a C. elegans lab, and I know a lot of people who, who've done their work in Drosophila or C. elegans are kind of nervous about taking their next move in, in longevity, and they don't think that their background is sufficient enough to go into mammalian systems or even at biotech industry. What, do you have any words of wisdom that you'd want to share coming from that background? Absolutely. So... I was also afraid of, you know, how I would be perceived in the biotech industry as somebody who was a classically trained C. elegans geneticist who then moved into a mammalian system. I would say don't discount the value, uh, you know, of, of your model that a lot of the, you know, very fundamental discoveries were made in, in yeast and in C. elegans and, and those discoveries have translated all the way up to humans. So you can't downplay your background. And, and it's really the training that, it, that we as scientists and grad students and, and, and lab technicians get in, in all kinds of models that trains us how to think like a scientist. And it's that that the companies want. They want you for your brain, you know, the skills you can learn. You can, you can learn how to, how to pipette. You can you know, learn how to do an assay because there's probably a million protocols online. Uh, but learning how to think like a scientist is something that that, and, and a longevity scientist, even at that, how to think about things in, in, in the in the space of, of you know, of longevity and, and, and biology of aging is something that that is independent of model organism and something that I think a lot of people should should assign value to in, in their training. Yeah, that's definitely really reassuring to hear, um, especially even from someone who's worked on a mouse model, too. It's definitely the knowledge um, and the experience, too, right? I think any skill can be learned and gained. Um, but even personality too, I think a lot of teams like to diversify their team and the culture too. So it's really important to just kind of be who you are and show the experiences you've learned during your PhD training. So I know that scientists, we get, we're really passionate about science, but we also like to do other things. And I think it's kind of hard to step away from science when you're that passionate, but just a fun question. Do you have any hobbies? What do you like to do outside of science? So when I have free time, I like to go surfing, which is something I grew up doing, but I don't have a lot of free time lately because I have a toddler at home. So I have a son who's almost two years old. And one really cool thing that I do with my son, and it's probably because I have to work on weekends sometimes is I bring him to work with me <laughs> and he can only say a few words, but he likes to say, you know, daddy lab, so cool. So he really enjoys coming to, to, to you know, to see the laboratory and, and see all the gadgets. Obviously, I don't let him touch anything because of safety regulations. You know, I'm excited for when he's older and I can teach him, you know, science and, and do experiments at home and we'll have a makeshift lab in the garage, you know, <laughs> and it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, that's all we have time for. So who are watching, if you have any questions for Gabe, you can find him on LinkedIn 
but again, I want to thank you, Gabe, for making the time to join us and being our very first scientific spotlight. And to everyone else, thank you for watching and stay tuned for more scientific spotlights. Thank you. Thank you.